This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mento LLC. Mento LLC Trade Consulting focuses on issues of duty minimization, recovery, and elimination, while also helping our clients with trade compliance issues of both the import and export nature and global cargo security. You can reach us at 978-317-3250 or email me directly at pete.mento at Mento LLC. From Washington, D.C., this is Trade Geek Podcast with your host, Pete Mento. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Trade Geek Podcast. This is Pete Mento, your Trade Geek. So excited to be back with you today with another fun edition of the program. You know, I have to believe that we are in the wackiest, kookiest business ever. And the reason I say that is, how many people do you know that have built an entire profession from scratch by accident? I know there's a whole new generation of young people that did this on purpose, but you know those of us that are in our late 40s and 50s and 60s that started working in logistics because either they had a friend or, or a family member who knew somebody at the airport or there was a, a buddy of theirs who, um, you know, worked for an airline or, you know, you saw this friend of yours who had a, a company car and seemed to be paying his bills and said, how'd you do it? He's like, I'm, I'm selling ocean freight. It, it's, it's not something anyone did on purpose. You know, my story is hysterical. Like I tell everyone, I came back home to New England. I had to find a job at night because I was going to Harvard during the day. And I ended up working at Panalpina. And I, uh, I was in one of those old warehouse slash offices that was uh, very popular in the 70s and 80s where the, the, the warehouse was underneath. And this was a true consolidation point, guys. I mean, it was, it was not that big. I mean, you're talking maybe, I don't know, 10,000 square feet, 15,000 square feet. It wasn't big at all. And then on top of it, you know, you had this stairway that led to office space up top. And it was just a, a cubicle farm with, with one office where our district manager, uh, a guy named Benno Bartoli, who was a sweetheart. I mean, he, you know, he, he was Swiss, so he could certainly be hard on me, but he meant well. Um, sat sort of in, you know, watching all of us. And I worked in air freight. And I got that job because a, a wonderful man named Marty Gillespie took a chance on me when he saw that I went to a Maritime Academy. And I would come in to work at, uh, let's see, 3 o'clock, and I was done at 11. And if I had something that was going late or if I, you know, I missed, missed the subway, I just had to call in, and it wasn't a big deal. I could make up the hours on the weekend. It was the perfect job for a 20-something-year-old guy in graduate school who, you know, honestly, I was still doing comedy. It couldn't have been better. Now... Back then, working in freight meant coming in on Fridays and the branch manager or the export manager bought dinner for everybody. You know, in Boston, that meant going to Kelly's Roast Beef or someplace in Chelsea and getting greasy fried fish or pizza. And everybody smoked. There could have been some drinking. Who knows? And we would just hammer out air bills. I mean, hammer out airway bills. And close out master bills. And the thing was, we couldn't go home until the very last piece of freight we were waiting on showed up because 
we had trucks that went to New York and to Miami to gateways. The one in New York was pretty much going all over Europe uh, and Asia. And the one that was heading down to Miami was for South America and the Caribbean. And sometimes everything worked out just right. And we got that last truck in from one of our important customers. And we were out of there by, say, 1130 midnight. Sometimes, because I was the young guy who didn't have a family, I'd be there pretty late waiting on that last truck. The other great thing about this job was I would get up the next morning and, and come in and I would uh, I'd close out all those consolidations. That was part of my job too, but I got overtime for that. And I was baroque, kids. Uncle Pete had no money. So I would do practically anything to make money back then. It was a great job. It was a great job and freight people are the best people. I can say that definitively. I've had a lot of work in tax. I've had a lot of work in corporate America. And I work with a lot of people. And freight people really are the best people. It's a hard business to work in. And you have to have a sense of humor to be successful. You've got to be able to bend and not break when things get weird. And you have to know how to be creative when things are tough. But I think more than anything, you have to have the kind of personality that allows you to get along with people. And I always found that. I always found that when I was working in those days. You know, I, I made my way and I transitioned out of air freight. I ended up working in account management and then, you know, eventually customs and then consulting. But it never really changed. The people I worked with were always the same. They were clever, hardworking, and funny. They were also tough. And I love them all. A lot of the people who listen to this podcast are very young. They're straight out of college or some of them are in college. Um, and I wanted to record a podcast with a good friend of mine who could tell you why she does what she does. How she ended up in this business and why it is that she's still doing it. And that's why I asked my friend Jay McDonald to join us today. She has a great perspective on you know why you bother to do this why you get up in the morning and decide to make this a career and spend 20 30 years doing it when you could do so many other things i think you really enjoy the conversation i also wanted to do this podcast this way for all of us who are closer to my age so maybe we could remember the good old days when stepping on the telex machine meant death or if you didn't line up the printer paper just right everything was off on whatever you printed when making sure coffee in the coffee machine um, was there, or there could be a tantrum. <laughs> when a salesperson in the office was the last thing anybody wanted to see, because generally it meant that your district manager was going to rip somebody's head off. And when Christmas parties were Christmas parties. The good old days. But for the young people who are listening today, your days today will be the good old days for someone down the road. Pay attention really soak it in. And I know that can be hard. I know that every day when you go in, it might feel like a slog, but I'm telling you, these really are the best days of your lives when it comes to this industry. You're going to look back on them fondly. And even though they might not seem like simpler times, down the road they will be. And with that, my conversation with Jay McDonald. Okay, I'm recording. Isn't that wonderful? I figured out how to, how to record, Jay. Good button.
Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Trade Geek Podcast. I'm very excited to have a long-term friend of mine. I don't like to say old friend anymore because as we are getting older, it's depressing to consider our ages. And I don't want to point out the many, many years we have been friends because people can start to do the math. But I am um, I'm, I'm joined to my friend Jay McDonald. And Jay and I met each other when we were both at Expediters back in 1824. And uh, we have been friends ever since. Jay and I have gone to a lot of baseball games together. And we have drank many beers watching, yeah, watching the Red Sox both win or lose. Um, And she's a joy to be a friend of and a joy to work with. And I... Well, first of all, thank you for coming on the show today, Jay. Thank you for having me. That sounded almost half-hearted. <laughs> uh, I, I had been thinking a lot these past couple of weeks about whether or not I would want someone to go into this business. And really, that's what we're going to talk about today. If, if I had a friend say, you know, Pete, you've, you, seem to make, you seem to pay your bills. Um, you appear to at least be a competent member of society. Should my son and or daughter, or or um, whatever they're choosing to be lately, uh, follow that career path in logistics and trade? And I thought, wow, I have one good friend of mine that would probably be honest in this conversation. I'm going to call her. And uh, that's why I had you on, Jay. So thank you for coming. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jay, tell us about how you ended up in this business. <sighs> so... Um... Not on purpose. Everything no one did. <laughs> um, I was actually driving a um, PowerJack certified. Thank you very much. I was working for a footwear um, footwear provider, and they were starting a program called Duty Drawback. And um, they were like, "This is what's going to happen." I was loading trucks. I mean, I went to school. I had my degree. What was um, your degree I, in? Um, it was liberal arts with a minor in economics. And where did you go to school again? Um, I went to UMass Dartmouth. Oh, okay. So not the zoo. No, no. no. And it was, um, it was SMU for one year, Southeastern Massachusetts University, my freshman year. And then it turned over to UMass Dartmouth. So then everyone's like, oh, you go to UMass? I'm like, no, UMass Dartmouth. Oh, you go to Dartmouth? I'm like, no, I go to UMass Dartmouth. <laughs> so, no one so either you went to the greatest party school in all of New England or you went to one of the better Ivy League schools. Correct. Or SNU, which is, you know. SMU. Yeah, so Southern Methodist University. Yes. Yeah. Or what's the, what's the other one? What's the one down south? Um, Southern Methodist, yeah. Southern Methodist, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so you graduate with this really, really useful degree in liberal arts. Totally vague. Uh, <laughs> totally vague. Like the, if, if your degree was a color, it would be beige. Yes. So because, you know, I just knew if I didn't go to school that I probably wouldn't go. So I didn't want to miss the opportunity. I was playing soccer. Um, I had the opportunity to continue doing that in college. So I did that. And um, junior year, they're like, you need to pick, like, you have to pick a a degree. What are you going to do? So I came in with all of my stuff and I just kind of dumped it on my advisor's desk. And I'm like, you tell me what I can, what I can do. (laughs) So um, yeah, my parents would probably be really upset to hear that. <laughs> um, so we, um, sorry, working from home. That's my, no, it's all good. Saving me from the UPS driver. Um, so I was, I 
was working at um, a shoe a shoe brand, and I had asked. I was working at the casual labor force, so I was working in a warehouse, and because it was just during college. So when I graduated, your health insurance goes out, and um, I'm like, well, I should probably apply for a full-time job. But I didn't know what I was going to do, so I just kind of stayed in the warehouse so I could decide. They started a program for duty drawback, and um, a good friend of ours, uh, she was running the, the import department there and I had seen her a couple times and she asked me if I was interested because I knew where the export paperwork was. Ah, okay. All That's right. how I got started in this. Um, so I got to know documentation really, really well because, you know, it's, you yeah, know, it's, hard. It's, it's a lot of work. And um, I kind of just continued on from there. I went into cost reconciliation um, from there to, you know, estimates versus actual so again, just getting to know the finance piece of it. Um, and it's a wonderful job for anybody who has ADD, I think, because there's <laughs> so many different moving parts. And, um, you know, you read all these, these books on like good management skills or things like that. And it, people say you can't actively multitask. And uh, I, I, challenge anybody who says you can't multitask when you work mm. in this business. You, you actively multitask the hell out of that gig is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, it's, and you were saying like getting people to come into this, into this business. Um, I was asked about a year ago to go to a college campus down in Georgia where my company is based and they were asking um, who they have a supply chain group and they wanted me to come down and talk to them. And it was scary and amazing. But then I'm thinking college. So they're like, you're going to come to a lecture hall. So I'm like, 250 people. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. There were like 12 people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> they're on their phones. Exactly. Their, their ear pods in. They're watching The Office while you're talking. Exactly. And, you know, I tried to make it fun. And then um, I actually put my presentation together and I sent it to my niece, who is 20. And I'm like, do you think they're going to get this? Because, um, course I referenced Ferris Bueller of course why wouldn't I yeah yeah and everybody the most famous line in that movie is what Bueller Bueller anybody yeah. it's the Smoot Holly deal like I had to talk yeah. about it mm -hmm. and I'm like are they gonna get it she's like half of them will get it I'm like I just need half of them I just need half of them to get it that's all because it's for me it's not for them <laughs> that's true yeah well I think you should have got in there and said what all the what, it, could, it could have been a scared straight moment I don't know if you remember that movie in the 1970s, Scared Straight, where they sent all the troublemakers to prison for a day. Yep, I remember. Yeah, you could have been like, I did this as a summer job. And now look at me. Look in my eyes. 25 years, you little snot. 25 years. Give me your shoes. <laughs> this is like the... You, you, you have the typical story of how we all ended up here, right? You were... You went to school all young and fresh faced. And how many athletes work in this business? Isn't that also crazy? College athletes that work in this business. Yep. And then, and then you ended up getting a job because see, that's such a woman thing to say. Cause I needed health insurance. Guys were like, uh, you know, I needed money for $2. You call it at the salty dog on Thursdays. <laughs> like I needed, I needed health insurance. So you, you get, take a job. So you have health insurance. And then before you know it, you're doing literally one of the most complicated things that you can do, which is to reconcile imports and exports for drawback claims on foot. Was it footwear? Yes. 
yeah okay so that that's the double suck of what's going on there and I then thought how, the most difficult part was me backing a, a power jack into a truck like that's super hard oh come on i bet you loved it <laughs> i did I, yeah i think both my ponytail this... flying in the back <laughs> you probably got to dress down for it i did yeah I did. see it, then we go to expediters where i had a suit on you know on sundays when i would go into the check mail that came in while i was gone on vacations so okay so how do what was the progression then so then you you're doing drawback filing and then what are the next jobs that you have um so i did drawback then i went to cost reconciliation um and then um i moved into um account management which was kind of the jack of all trades because you kind of had to have your foot in every single and where were you working uh i that's when i went into account management was expediters and what year was that really um, <laughs> really, Pete? in 98, no, nine, 98. So you were a relatively, um, early, relatively early employee. Yes. I mean, yep. they, they hadn't hit that 20 year mark or anything like that at that point. Yep. Okay. And you worked out of the Boston office. I did, but, um, I was hired for, um, a specific importer. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of one of those those worlds of, um, you know, I should probably be in the class 101 and I was thrown in the class like 601. <laughs> yeah. And, you, had, you had a hard, you had a hard client to manage. They had a lot going on. They did. Yeah. Um, it was so, kind of the beginning of ISF. I mean, I'm sorry, AMS. It was the beginning like of all of that. And you, you were, you were dealing with all these different things that, and the thing about the freight forwarding industry is they, they just challenge you in a way that I'm not sure many other industries do where they say, you know, we don't know how to do this either, but you're young and probably have more energy to deal with it. So yeah. Kind of. <laughs> and, and you know what else I'll say as well? Um, and I know this is indicative of expediters, uh, but it was that way at Robinson. It was certainly that way at Penalpina. If you manage to do a good job, the rewards are pretty impressive. Yes. I think. No, it was, I mean, the opportunity, I mean, I got to, the places I got to travel, I never would have had the opportunity to go to, I mean, I got to go to Australia. Like that's hysterical. (laughs) I got to go to Australia. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I cried on the flight home. It was a very long flight home, but but I I mean, I was all over Europe. Um, I handled Europe specifically for that, for that importer. And um, it was the places I I got to see and the opportunities that I had. uh, It's just it's phenomenal. Um, and, and my, my corporate sponsor was probably one of your favorite people. One of my favorite. Yeah. I was always so afraid of him up until until I would go into his office and I would be so prepared, so prepared to have a conversation as to why this wasn't going right. And he would just like debunk it with one thing. And I'd be like, he's right. He's so right. And, but he, I just developed such just an admiration for him and the business and, and, you know, he would always be like, it's business. Don't take it so personally. And I'm like, you never get out of me what you get out of me. If I didn't give it to you personally, like, yeah. I, like I can't, but um, as I've gotten older, I'm in a better place now where I do make it more business. You have to. It's soul crushing. crushing. (laughs) It is soul crushing, particularly when things go wrong that you can't control. But I I know you don't want to say his name like he's Voldemort, but his name is Phil Coughlin, and he's uh, he's been on this this podcast. And 
to this day, I mean, I'm, I'm a 50 year old man. I still don't make important decisions without talking to Phil first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he taught me a lot of, so <laughs> you want to talk about universal leadership skills that you learn in freight forwarding, right? So bad news is best delivered immediately. Yes. You, you, you don't, don't wait. And then never, ever, ever sugarcoat it. Don't lie about it. Just tell me all of warts and all. Um, he had better not find out about it on his own. Correct. Right. Um, be the first person that tells everyone else what's happening. Be credible in what you told them. So have, have all your information, have all your data when it comes time to give the bad news. Already have solutions that you're ready to work on. Right. Don't just talk about what went wrong. Don't make excuses where you can take the, I, mean, I remember all that crap. It's crazy. It's like, I remember everything my high school football coaches told me. I remember everything my college lacrosse coaches told me. And I remember every damn thing Phil Coughlin ever taught me. Yep. I agree. I, from, from a, just a work perspective, I mean, and plugging it into even your own personal life, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just words to live by really. I mean, yeah. When I became a manager after I left EI, I had gone to a, like a small catalog importer and um, people would come in and be like, this is the issue. And I just, I'd be like, well, what's the solution? Like, what do you think? Because I feel like, you know, people kind of come in with their own solution that they're going to be more behind it than me. And okay. I don't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. your help too. You're, You're the totally one that coddling them. Yeah. Yeah. But that's I, the kinda, I felt like very powerful with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good uh, illustration of why this industry is fascinating. The people you meet as well, the places you go, the people you meet, you meet some characters. This is, this is the, um, we're the Island of misfit toys. You know? mm -hmm. Nobody wants a Charlie in a box. Crew though. Like I have like, yeah. I have a phenomenal crew. It's true. I have some big brothers that have spoiled me my entire career. Like, yeah. and you're one of them, like you guys, I'm, I could call any single one of you and you guys would be here with like a baseball bat if needed. <laughs> oh, that's, that's got a lot to do with Boston, but yes, we absolutely would. And, and there's, there's not that many of us really. So you better be cool. And if, if you're, if you're cool and you have a great reputation, we take awesome care of one another, you know, right. help each other find jobs. So that leads us to today's question for the podcast is, you know, you were in that college room. Um, oh, but, and by the way, everyone, Jay is a, are you, what's your title now? Director, manager, vice president, grand poobah? I'm forever a manager because I can't get out of the operation piece of it. I, uh, I love rolling up my sleeves. I'm a senior manager of international logistics and compliance. Right. So you have the, the worst job on the planet, which is not only are you responsible for logistics, we're also responsible for trade compliance. See, and no one likes to see my name in an inbox, ever. <laughs> You're the department of oh no. <laughs> friendly. I try to make it friendly. You're a very friendly person. You just, you don't probably don't bring a lot of good news when you talk to people. Oh, I just reach out sometimes just to see how people are doing. So I don't surprise them all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, so you've, you're in a great position to have this conversation because you are dealing with a massive international business, you're in trade compliance and logistics. Why on earth would you recommend to a 21, 20 year old graduating college senior, or actually even a high school kid, this is a job that you should consider doing? 
So my kids don't want this job. There you go. I work from home now and they hear me. Mommy screams and cries a lot. <laughs> um, no, I mean, they just don't want behind a desk. I mean, I have a stand-up desk, but they just don't want behind a desk. But I'm like, good luck with that. <laughs> um, so I'm such a nerd. I love it. I do love it. I mean, I've had opportunities to get out of it, um, you know, to, but it's all I know. So maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, <laughs> it's, but it's <laughs> legitimately all I know. Um, I love, I love the fact that I've had both sides of the coin, you know, um, because, you know, it, depending on who I use as a provider, I can call them and they'll give me an excuse. And I'm like, no, I created that excuse next. Like what's the next thing? Um, like I said, it's, it's a, somebody like I need busy hands. I need to be busy all the time. It's, it's, the things that you learn and the things that you learn by fire and the things that you think you know, they're different tomorrow. Um, it's just, it's, I, I went to go visit like a, a FedEx building and I got like completely ner nerdy by watching like the algorithms that like go into like make this slide down that way. Like Heck yeah. super nerdy, but mm. I, I like just to see that, I mean, there's so many different jobs that go into it. You know, like the, there's like engineering that goes into it. There's like, you know, like the math that goes into it. But again, math, unless it, I can do it on Excel, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, I, I like being part of like all of it. Like I just like being like from the A to the Z because I'm part of A to Z. There's very few jobs where you can be that. There's a lot of jobs that are just like C to F you know, but, I, or, or like, you know, P to Q, like I'm legitimately, oh, we need to know what the transit time, is that going to make it? Before we write the order, we have to talk to Jay. Mm. That's A, you know what I mean? And then yeah. how much is it going to cost for me to do, oh, oh, that's D. And then you get like, it's, I don't know, I'm a busybody. I like to be involved. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Now, I, go ahead. no, no, well, go, no, finish your thought. No, I, I just, I, I could keep talking about it. It's just, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the people like that I get to know the places I get to visit, like the opportunities. Again, you have to have the right job for it, but you know, I got to travel with my customer and you know, expediters makes you stay in certain hotels. That customer made me stay in the same hotel because they didn't want to miss any time together. And I was like, sweet. Is there a fireplace in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to eat an $800 sushi dinner? Yeah. <laughs> sure. uh, it doesn't suck. Well, um, you know, Along those same lines, the I worry about technology taking up a lot of our jobs. Do you think this is a growth opportunity, a growth industry, a growth job market for people? I don't think it will ever go away. Yeah. I don't. I mean, EDI for steamship lines, it's still horrible. It's still yeah. horrible. That information still, people still have to key that stuff in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, behind every piece of data that you get, there's somebody behind there doing that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's been, this past year has been horrible, you know, and I, and I feel for the salespeople because now they have to like just sit in a computer. Like it's, there's networking, there's relationships that are made. There's, um, with the ever-changing part of like compliance, you can't, you can't systemically, you, you can't put a, you can't write an algorithm to run that stuff. You know, I mean, you have, I mean, you, the things that you read that you specifically read, you're like, I don't know if you guys read that like bill. I'm like, are you out of your mind or just waiting for you to summarize? <laughs> Tell me how I feel about it. 
tell me how I, how I should be. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think that it would ever be replaced. I think it would be impossible to be replaced yeah. by computers. I think this is a people industry. And so much goes yeah. wrong. Yeah. And that's why you need human intervention for that. Because sometimes customers just want to have their hand held while you tell them bad news. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and if it's just data, then what is that? It's just. You've got much better bedside manner than me, but when it comes to bad news, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, the audit not going good. No, I don't know if you have a passport to Monaco, but you might want to pack all your crap and get on a private jet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty matter of fact about it. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's just that. Um, I just think with the regulatory things and there's just a lot of, there's just a lot that people have to research to be able to, like, I'm so thankful for you from that because sometimes I'll read things and they don't make sense to me. And I'll be like, Pete, can you like dumb this down to me? And, and then I'll be like, all right, now I can explain it to somebody better. Like, so. because before I'm like here to for the Queens English, I don't know. <laughs> it's not dumbing it down. I think the important thing to know is what, what's the basis of what they're trying to do and then just get that part and say the rest of it will deal with it if it becomes a problem. That's, yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. What is the thing that you wish you and other people like us were better at? Where's the, where's the hole in our game that young people could probably spend more time focusing on? Joe, that's a hard one. Mine's easy. I suck at technology. Okay. So um, for a guy who works in the technology space, I have to have the actual inner workings of how software works endlessly explained to me because I never understand what anybody is saying. I have this friend, Adele Chavale. He's like Spock or Spock and, and Albert Einstein combined, shaken up in a container and then poured over, you know, the IBM, uh, what's that, uh, Darwin, what's the computer they've got, the really smart one, I forget which one it is. Big deep blue. He's a genius, right? I have to call him because I am always confused when it comes to how API and this and that, all the rest of it. I understand the law. I understand how to apply it. I understand how the process works, but technology scares the crap out of me. Thank God I've got him. I think um, I think that that is I, that's something that they have all over us. Just yeah, yeah. our our age. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm still IT at my house. I'm waiting for my kids to be <laughs> like, mom, how come I can't? I'm like, no, you're supposed to help me now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enough to be dangerous in that sense. But I think that the, the kids that are coming up, the, the young adults, the, the young professionals that are coming up, um, I think they have that all over us. You know what I don't think they have is presentation skills. I think that communication skills are really, and there's two people I always bring up when I talk about this uh, and they're friends of both of ours, okay. mutual friends. So uh, Ryan McGuire mm -hmm. and um, Mark Manna. So do you want to talk about two different presentation skills, right? So Mark is like a nutty professor, you know, he's, he's prepared because he knows what he's talking about, but he's not, He's not polished in that he shows up with like a 45 page PowerPoint presentation that he spent all night, you know, arduently going over every piece of punctuation, you know, um, but he knows what he's talking about. And people really like him. So, yeah. and then there's Ryan, who is the most sincere human being on planet earth, who couldn't lie to you if he had to, he just, you trust him. So when you, 
when he when they present when they talk to you it's half reputation but the other half is you know i can they they know what they're talking about and they can they can really discuss it with you face to face they have great writing skills they can present Ryan's an excellent presenter mm-hmm. um, you know they're they're very good at bridging the gap between the technical crap of what we do and the human side of it and I'm worried that this next generation of people, they're so used to Snapchatting, FaceTiming, Instagramming, and texting that when they get face-to-face, they're going to be too uncomfortable to really build a relationship. Yeah, I it, fully agree with that. Um, keyboard warriors, you know, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. I mean, it's not, it's even like personal from that, like people that say things like on Facebook, they would never say that face to face, you know, like it's just, um, I just think it's kind of the world. I mean, did you watch that social dilemma? Yeah, I did. It was like haunted my dreams. Yeah. But I like wanted to watch it with my kids because I want them to be like, you think you're in control of all of this stuff. And like, this is fundamentally showing you that you're not in control at all. You're not like you are, you're a puppet. Yeah. There are people a lot smarter than you and I and anyone we know manipulating us through a machine that we've come to grow yep. uh, using. Yeah, that's just downright terrifying. But the, you know, you've got to have the ability to really connect with people. How much of our job has been getting to know somebody over beer um, or whatever? Uh, a huge part of this industry up until this pandemic had always been that face-to-face thing. Yep. And talking on the phone and just building relationships. I worry about that. Sincerely, I worry about it. No, the, uh, the presentation piece. And, and I think that personal piece, I think that that is, you're, you're right. I think that's going to be a huge hole coming. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you my three questions before we end the interview. Okay. Do you know the three questions? Um, no. no. Okay. Question number one, what was the first car you ever owned and how did you get it and what happened to it? <clears throat> Um, a 1988 Pontiac Grand Am. Nice. That's a sweet ride, actually. Nice. It was my dad's car. Mm-hmm. I got his car. Um, and I totaled it leaving school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was oh, anybody hurt? It was just me. Um, no seatbelt hit the windshield. Um, but I, um, I wear my seatbelt all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> I hit um, a, a Lincoln, and the insurance company said I might as well have hit an American tank. Oh, wow. Uh, I really dented her car and completely ripped the front of my car off. Oh, what were you doing? Just trying to get away from school as fast as you could? You know, it's so weird, too, because I was the only kid that had my own car, and I never left the school ever with anybody in my car. It was, like, ultimately the only time I have never had anyone in the, in the, in the passenger seat. Um, I was going around a... Um, it was on the street that the school's on. I was going around a um, tree service company and they didn't have any cones out or anything, but it was raining out. And I kind of just went to go around them on a curb and on a curve and I um, slammed on the brakes and just skidded right in. Oh, so a little, a little head injuries might be why you're in this business. Ah, uh, you know, I should have led with that. <laughs> Brain trauma. That could be why you're in it. Yeah. It makes sense now. All right. Question number two. Uh, first job that you ever had that paid you an actual paycheck. So not under the table working as a babysitter or raking leaves for your neighbor. Like first job you had that paid you a paycheck. I worked at Caldor. Oh, wow. I forgot about Caldor. 
Haldor on Sundays and holidays, so time and a half, mm-hmm. 16. Um, yeah, I mean, Sundays and, and, I mean, what was better than that? Was what was your good. hourly wage? Jeez, I don't know, like five something. So, te- so 10, because it was time and a half. So, no, I got like eight something. I got eight something, which was fabulous for that. But, yeah. um, and it's so funny because like circle it back around to supply chain. I just remember always like due to the overwhelming supply of, uh, of the overwhelming popularity of this item, you know, we're going to have to issue rain checks. Yeah. Like cut to, I actually work for Bradley's in the corporate office and I'm like, it's not popular. I just can't get it to you guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> on the side of the highway with a flat tire. Um, what happened to rain checks? I see. Yeah. Rain checks and remember layaway? That's I gone. do. Yeah, I remember layaway. All so my stores were, were layaway. <laughs> did you get a discount at Caldor? Yes. Oh. And I um down in my basement, I might have a couple lamps still. <laughs> nice. Very cool. All right, question number three. If the laws of physics, time, and space mm-hmm. did not exist, and Uncle Pete could take out a magic wand and give you any career, any job other than the one that you currently have now, what would that career be? Holy moly. I would love to sit on the bench of an athletic team because okay. I wouldn't have to buy any clothes. I would get all of their clothes. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'd wear. And, uh, mm. you know, no pressure. I'd be a bench warmer. <laughs> okay. So not an actual, you'd want to be way down the depth chart on an athletic team. Right. Got Absolutely. That, that is a pretty. Front row. Yeah. That might explain why you why you aren't on the front of the bench, you know. But they still make a ton of money. Like think about NBA stars that are bench players. See, just I mean, you get get to travel, you get to front row seats, you get to watch like the best people ever. Can you imagine though, like they go through the whole entire thing and then they just turn around, and they're like, "Oh, Jay, you got to get in there." <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's so bad that Jay has to play. Ah, yeah. Um, I can't imagine that because there were times in my playing career that I was that option. We're down to our fourth goalie. Who is that anyway? Yeah, I've been that kid. Um, well, Jay, it, it's been a pleasure and an honor working with you and being your friend. And I absolutely adore knowing that I can always call on you and you've been wonderful to me my entire career. So thank you for thank that. You. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. And thank you for being on this ridiculous little podcast. Oh, and I love that you do this. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I hope we can do it again sometime. Absolutely, I'll see you soon. Okay, thanks, Jay. Take care.